Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, time for another podcast of Redeemed Through His Blood. I'm Scott Durfee, joined as always by our teacher, David Durfee. How are you, Dave? I'm good, Scott. Good. I'm good. However, I need life, the foibles of life, Scott. Yesterday, I picked up my car from getting a windshield replaced. Right? And these new cars, they have to be calibrated. And oh, yeah. I don't know. It's like $1,000. Uh, anyway, I get it, get the windshield replaced, pick the car up at 9 a.m. I'm coming home from Salt Lake, a little date my wife and I went on yesterday afternoon. It's about 4 or 5 o'clock. And I hear this ping. <laughs> On the windshield. And a big crack in the windshield. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You just had a string of bad luck. Last week, you had the bad luck of finding out the the Fruit Loops. Loops. Yeah, still crushes me. I almost bought you a box of those yesterday (laughs) when I was at the grocery store. Can you believe that, Scott? I I had that car like six hours, six or seven hours with with a crack free windshield. And now it's got another crack in it. So my question is this. If it's $1,000, how come they can't come up with a crack, uh, a windshield that won't crack? I don't know. I, I actually went back to the place this morning <laughs> early because I thought, I, I just need them to know. I, I just, I don't know. I need some reassurance. Yeah. Or, yeah. Is, there, is there maybe a 24-hour guarantee? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Was there, there something they can do about cracks? I mean, it's not clear across the windshield. Not yet. A, not Well, it's... It's about two feet long, yeah, and uh, it's going to be right. It's going to be, yeah. So I wanted to know: is there something they can do? Is there some? Anyway, they could not believe it. They just said, "Oh, you know." And <laughs> anyway, they were colorful in their language. They couldn't believe it, and uh, I just said, "Well, I, are the the windshields are good, right? I mean, it's just a little ping, and I got this anyway." And so, the foibles, and they, I was, I was kind of saying, can you believe that, you guys? And they said, oh man, if I was you, I'd be so mad. And I said, well, you know, what can I do about it? There's nothing. I don't have any control over this. And stay off the freeway. And I said, yeah, I'm like I'm going to stay off the freeway. Um, life is, isn't it interesting? Really? Yeah. Life is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, really, in the, I know that's a small thing in the overall scheme of things but i was just thinking wow what is up with that that's crazy i'm kind of dumbfounded i don't even know what to say <laughs> to that i i that's do need bad know. luck yeah well I, actually the the windshield that i replaced had been actually broken by a rather large rock up in the corner of it and we had we'd we had kind of just intentionally well, let's see how far we can go with this and we didn't get it replaced for like months yeah I mean, I, I lived with that for months. You should have gone another month, buddy. <laughs> I should have gone one more month. One more One month. more day. That's all uh, it That's actually taken. the first thought that went through my mind. Why did I get it replaced today? <laughs> or actually, they'd replaced it the day before, but I picked it up that morning. Right. Anyway, so uh, life, the turns and foibles of life. Unbelievable. So I well, hope that our listeners are doing well. I hope you're yeah. doing well. Yeah, we are. We're doing well. Uh, Deb you're, and I celebrated a wedding anniversary nice. yesterday. It was amazing. Um, nice. Yeah, we have had, uh, you know, 
we've only been married 21 years. I say it like it's been less than two decades. It's 21 years. I mean, and that's kind of a big deal, you know. But That's I'm, not very long for how old you are. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew you would. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, beat yeah, you to it. No, yeah, you did. But, you know, it's been uh, 21 years of, uh, you know, it's really amazing when you're married. You've had this experience your entire marriage. You know, I didn't have this experience in the beginning of my experiences of being married okay yeah uh, it, but it's just amazing and you know and i know that deb feels the same way it's just when you're married to this to the right person and you have the same goals and outlook on life and the same spiritual quest and the same desire to kneel each night and pray and to attend the temple it's just amazing that difference. It's not easy. No, we have we're not we're not you know, problem free. And it may not be every night that you both want to kneel down, but no. But you you try to, and you probably do, and maybe some nights you don't. But but it's not easy. But really, I know what you're saying, Scott. There is something about that that you have this certain security, yeah, and confidence, yeah, in life and in your. Uh, eternal quest and future and purpose that you just it it just it's really it's neat. really sweet yeah there's just nothing like it, it and and we both have just enjoyed uh, the last 21 years we look forward to the next 21 years 21 years yeah i'll still be here maybe i wish everyone could could understand that when it comes to marriage and uh, relationships in within marriage that the highest highest holiest level of intimacy is spiritual it's spiritual it's not physical if you you know it's a spiritual connection yeah that you have this uh you know the, the peace that's beyond understanding that you have when you're with one another and when you can share spiritual uh, experiences with one another, spiritual insights, personal revelation, and you know that it's going to be sacred to your spouse, to your partner, and that you can share those things and talk about those things freely. Wow, that that is so binding and sacred in a relationship. Yeah, it's quite a gift. There's no question, and it, and it and it kind of baffles me. I, you know, and maybe it's because of my perspective, but it kind of baffles me that uh, uh, actually it is because of my experience. Because I didn't take it too serious. You know, in the begin when I in my first marriage, I've been married more than twice, and so in my first marriages, I didn't. So that take, would be three times. Well, we can continue this conversation <laughs> from here. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but uh, you can cut that. Yeah, I think I probably will. <laughs> but I, um, but but you know, to have to just have that togetherness, you know, and to know that you know, if I need help, if I need support, like you said, that spiritual intimacy, and, and so often in that spiritual intimacy, there's not even a lot of words that need to be spoken sometimes yeah you know right when we sit in the temple in the in the uh, in the celestial room in the temple and we just hold hands there's a communication or a communion that's not just between me and her yeah that's between me and her and heavenly father yeah. through the spirit of the holy ghost i i tell you you know there's just that, that there's just no gift that's greater than that gift to me so far yeah i i i agree scott and yeah. i pray that uh our family members and listeners and others can uh, 
And, you know, if they're not in the habit or they haven't had those experiences, those spiritual intimate moments where they can have gospel discussion, yeah. and they, uh, sometimes if that doesn't come naturally, uh, then they need, they need to kind of program it until it becomes natural. I, I think it would be awesome if, if uh, families and couples would just, especially couples, and and families, but but don't leave. If you have a family discussion about come follow me, I don't think that should replace a couple's experience discussing come follow me. And the way my wife and I love to do come follow me is that when she reads it and she she loves to do it just personally, individually on her own, and she goes through it and she 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 does the, puts in the effort and she answers some of the questions and goes through the book. Uh, then we discuss it. I just think uh, couples need to be having that discussion. You know, they need to be counseling together in love uh, about the the holy scriptures and about the teachings of the prophets. And uh, when they when they do that, uh, that as that becomes more and more of a habit and more natural with them, their relationships will become so much sweeter. Yeah, there's stronger. I agree with that. And. And as as we do that, it's interesting how so many answers to our questions and our problems that I alone have been able to not get a handle on or get a grip on or or get answers to. But when we have these conversations and then we have the spirit flowing through both of us in that in our covenantal relationship, we have a covenantal relationship with each other, too. You know, that's, yeah, bound, right. that's bound together by the Holy Spirit of the promise. I think we're going to be talking about that a little later in our episode today. But, you know, as that happens and as we have that spirit, it's just amazing how, you know, one plus one does not equal two in this case. Yeah. You know, it's exponentially greater than that with, and, and this is important, this is the key, with the uh, with the companionship of the Spirit. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it really creates trust. And I... I don't know of anything, any attribute that uh, is more important in a relationship than than trust. And uh, according to some studies that have been done, the uh, most important attributes in a relationship are acceptance, unconditional love, and trust. Those those three attributes in a relationship. Uh, according to surveys in, I'm talking about not just in the church, I'm just talking secular, yeah. secular uh, surveys and studies that have been done, uh, unconditional acceptance, love, and trust are so critical, maybe the most important uh, issues and attributes in a relationship. And having intimate spiritual discussion and um, drawing closer to the Holy Ghost and to the Savior and to our Heavenly Father uh, builds all three of those. Acceptance, unconditional love, and trust. And you know, you know why I think those things are so important? I, I believe that those things are so important because those three things, what they do is they provide a sense of safety. Yeah, Right. That exactly. safety, you know, that they provide a sense of safety in your relationship. And when we feel safe. <laughs> That's right, Scott. You know, there's just very, and that doesn't mean we don't weather storms. We do. Right. You know, we're weathering some storms right now. And some of those have to do with kids and grandkids and other things like that, you know. And, 
And as we weather those storms with those three things, like you said, acceptance of each other, unconditional love towards each other, and total trust in each other, and to build that trust by continuing to do the things that build that trust, then I feel safe, and so does she. Right. Yeah. And and safety is really uh, so important in a relationship because when you go through those storms, if you don't feel safe, that's that's when the cracks develop and people run and yeah, and you make and, uh, crazy decisions or yeah. I mean, we've been through some really tense moments. You have too with your family. I've been through some really intense moments, uh, sending a son to prison and yeah, and things like that. And you know, so many times driving down the road. You know, maybe maybe uh, crying and uh, you know speaking through our pain together. It comes down to well, as long as we've got each other, right? And that, and, and as long as we got each other, we can we can do this. And there's just nothing more beautiful than that. All of this stuff really comes down to a relationship. And, and we talked from the very beginning of the podcast, David, how important relationships are. And the last, the last month, actually, or so, one of those relationships we've been focusing on is our, is our relationship with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we talked to last week as kind of a culmination. The first two, two weeks prior to that, we talked about the Holy Ghost. Last week, we talked about the Holy Ghost in in that, you know, we talked about the importance of personal revelation and having right. revelation in our lives. We talked about a few uh, steps that you gave us of seven. Seven keys. Seven keys, not steps. Receiving personal revelation. And, and, and I think today as we uh, continue that conversation, is in knowing that and keeping in mind that what we're really doing here is talking about developing a relationship. And, you know, as important as that relationship of safety is in our relationships with our spouses and partners and families and others, uh, as important as that safety is, that safety is even more important and, and can become even more pronounced for us as we develop that relationship through the Spirit with our Heavenly Father. And and that's how this whole revelation process begins to work in our lives. Yeah, correct. Well, these seven keys, Scott, help open the door yeah, of of revelation, and uh, just to review them quickly, we did four, I think, last we week. We did, yeah. Identify the fears and other negative emotions, and replace them with faith and love. Right, that's number one. Is we can't let emotions govern our choices and our decisions. We need to. We need to really. I, I just can't believe how. How many years, Scott, I was not able to identify even my emotions and what I was feeling personally. Well, if you don't know what your own emotions are, you can't tell the difference between your emotions and the Holy Ghost. Mm. You don't know when you're feeling the Holy Ghost if you don't even know what you're feeling. I mean, we have to become more mindful and sensitive to identifying our own personal emotions and not let our personal emotions get in the way of the revelations that the Lord wants to give us through the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's number one. Number two is to remove the pavilions of selfishness and inappropriate motives and prideful desires by replacing them with not my will, but thine be done. So we have to go just totally open remove any pavilions of selfishness 
and uh, inappropriate motives. What's our motive? Why do I want a, an answer? What do I desire? What are my desires? And then to lay those aside for a moment, really, and not be driven by the natural man and selfish motives that we all have, and to go to the Father in the name of Christ and to ask, what's thy will? Yeah. You know, not my will, but thine be done, following the example of the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, and when we do that, you know, we, we talk about as this whole process, this whole podcast has been a, a repentance kind of experience for us, right? We're learning the atonement of Jesus yes. Christ. We're learning how to access the atonement of Jesus Christ through repentance. And we know that repentance boils down to a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Elder Anderson makes it quite clear in the book that we talk about here that when we talk about that contrite spirit, that's what you're talking about. Thy will be done. Yeah. That's right, Scott. And by the way, the greatest revelation that I know one can ever receive in this life is thy sins are forgiven thee. Oh, wow, yeah. The greatest revelation one should seek is to know where they stand with God and to know that their sins are forgiven. Now, I know that can be a process. I know that that may take time. But I also know, Scott that it can be an event and that people are entitled to know where they stand with God and that they can know that they are forgiven and in good standing. So I think we should all seek for that knowledge and that gift of revelation. Uh, Our third one, Scott, was to increase uh, purity and confidence in the presence of God by letting virtue govern our thoughts unceasingly. You know, D&C, Doctrine and Covenants, section 121, verses 45 and 46 are the key principles here. And uh, I think I, I mentioned last time, you better watch what you view, because what you watch will become your view. So just really controlling, you know, what we what we spend our time engaged in, what we're watching, what we're listening to, those, those kinds of things. We Anything we can do to increase personal purity and virtue in our life will help us to better identify the gift of the Holy Ghost in our life. It's, it's interesting how Satan can just slowly lull us away. That's... Just little tiny things. Ah, oh, that's not harmful. No big deal. You know, this just a little, what what they say, no big deal. Is They're just words, the you al- know. The allurement. Yeah. The allurement of yeah. Satan and this sophistries and uh, I, I don't know Scott it's it really the world that we live in and the natural man within all of us is a dangerous combination yeah and we just have to be super careful because it yeah. can happen before we know it I know so increasing personal purity is an important part um, and then and then the fourth one that we t- discussed some length last time was using instruments of grace. Uh, such as the scriptures, prayer, sacred art and music, uh, ordinances, covenants, fasting, magnifying calling, service, service, temple service. Yeah, right. Uh, using those instruments of grace, temple being one of them, of course. Even going touching the temple, being in the you know, on the property, in the parking lot, even I, I whatever. There are so many instruments of grace that God has mercifully provided for us 
to be able to receive and feel his spirit. So I, I let me just take a second here, too. We talked about how um, Elder Eyring in uh, the dedicatory prayer of the uh, Saratoga Springs Temple yeah. recently talked about how even the grounds would be a place of refuge. Right. And I think that's not probably the first time that's been uh, mentioned in a dedicatory prayer for a temple. And I mentioned to you how the, when the Timpanogos Temple was being yes. built, how I used that. Well, what I didn't remember <laughs> was that... Every once in a while, Deb, believe it or not, Deb and I will have a conflict. And sometimes when... Shocking. I know, right? You know my per- personality. I remember President Nelson saying, Scott, uh, sister, this is his wife, Dancel, his first wife that passed. Yeah. And he said, Dancel and I have never, have never had a fight, but we have had some marvelous... <laughs> Disagreements. Yeah. Well, I, rem- I remember <laughs> Sister Hinckley uh, was interviewed one time, and, and they said, uh, "Have you ever, um, have you ever thought about? I don't know. It was something about negative towards President Hinckley, and she and she said, "Oh, divorce, never." Murder, maybe, but divorce, <laughs> never. But anyway, so every once in a while, this is this has happened more than once. Um, when I, when I get to that point, there's just comes a point where it's just better if I just walk away, get calmed down. Her too. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll go Eliminate get on contention, not yeah, escalate. Yeah, it, there's nothing wrong with conflict. It's when contention enters the exactly. conflict that we have problem. Exactly. And, and that's true for all of us because right. the contention is the tool of the devil, not conflict. Conflict contention. can be actually healthy. It, it's creative. Helps you, re- helps you solve problems. Uh, yeah. But contention, very... spirits gone, is always of the devil. And so every once in a while, I'll get on my motorcycle and I'll ride to the temple, the Provo Temple, which isn't far from us, mm-hmm. and I'll just sit there, no matter what time of day. It's usually quite late at night. And it's happened more than once that I'll look over and I'll see Deb's little white car too, <laughs> and and Ed will uh, you know go sit on the grass and uh, you know, but that 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 really has been wow. also an instrument of grace in our lives too. Wow, Scott, maybe more people. I haven't done this, but maybe more people, including myself, maybe we need to take some of our disagreements, marvelous disagreements, to the temple grounds and discuss them there yeah and some it is uh, there's a great place at the although program. i know the home the home should be as sacred or more sacred even in the temple but but sometimes when you're um when the pressure's on there yeah sometimes going to the even the grounds of the house of the lord can can help to uh relieve some of that stress and uh, eliminate some contention sweet yeah Yep. Okay, well, Instruments of Grace. So now we're on number uh, number five, Scott. And number five is to ask the right que- learn to ask the right questions. Learn what the difference between curiosity questions and inspired questions. And ask for those things that are expedient, quotes around expedient, because uh, Heavenly Father has promised us in 3 Nephi, that anything that we ask for that is expedient, in another place he says, anything that is for your good, you will receive if we ask. So I think the word expedient is important. What's, what's best for us? Uh, to, to be really open to that and to learn to ask those kinds of questions. So a curiosity question might be, if I was a, a single adult and I was trying to decide who to marry, or I was married and trying to make critical decisions instead of asking, what should I do, right? That's kind of a curiosity question in a, in a sense. 
we should pay the price, study it out in our mind. Doctrine and Covenants, section 9, mm-hmm. 7 through 9. You said all you had to do was ask, but I say you need to study it out in your mind, and then ask me if it be right. Ask, ask the question, you know, instead of who should I marry, say, Heavenly Father, this is what I have decided, and ask for a confirmation, not just a general question. I think uh, when we use that, that process and we uh, seek revelation by paying a price because, again, the Lord doesn't give us anything that uh, we can actually get on our own, Scott. I mean, he expects us to become as spiritually self-reliant as possible. And after we have paid the price, studied it out in our mind, and I know the Spirit will help us to study it out in our mind all along the way, it should become pretty clear to us, even maybe before we ask. Now, I know there are some times where we have no idea what to do, and uh, so we need to maybe take him some options and discuss those options with him. But just asking general questions instead of more specific, this is what I have decided, here are my options, what should I do, is, I think, really important. And then, and then to know that uh, if it's expedient, he will answer. Right. He will say yes. I love the talk given by Elder Scott years ago that Heavenly Father will answer our, our prayers three ways. He'll say yes, confirmation of the Holy Ghost. He'll say no, stupor of thought, which is also an answer to the Holy Ghost, Scott. That's right, yeah. I think stupor of thought has gotten a bad rap. Stupor of thought is actually the Holy Ghost helping to take things away from our memory and causing us to forget the very thing that we asked. Uh, that's That's also, I think, a spiritual confirmation. Or he will say, wait. Or he will say, "Give me, bring some more options. Bring some more options to me. Wait. And so we have to patiently wait before we make a decision and not rush into it. Uh, the, according to Elder Scott, in a classic conference talk, and I'm sorry I can't remember the month or year, but I love that uh, process as he describes it. So I also learned, Scott, that there's a difference between uh, asking for what I want and then asking for Heavenly Father to help me in my own personal responsibilities. For example, we've talked about this before, but me praying for my son, that God change my son, God change my son, please change my son. Uh, For years I prayed for that, Scott. And then one day I was chastised by the Spirit. You are praying for the wrong thing. You don't need to pray for him. You need to pray for you. And then I I knew what I had to pray for, and that was help me to be a better father for my son. Help me to know how I can be a better dad. Well, that cha- that changed my whole approach to parenting uh, my son, and it changed our relationship. And I re- did receive answers to prayers because I I had impressions about when to call him and what to say because I had changed my prayer. It was more focused on change me, not change him. And that that can be true of not only a relationship with father-son, father-child, parent-child, but husband-wife, or others that we have responsibility for or with. 
So asking the, the right questions are really important. Well, and sometimes, and I've found this to be true, uh, especially, uh, probably not especially, but even in, you know, the rooms of recovery, you know, when we're praying for help, when we're praying for guidance, when we're, sometimes it's good for us to just say, you know, just show me what I should be praying for too. What should I be looking at in, in, in I love that. looking for a spouse? How, what should I be asked? What questions should I be asking you about how to approach this situation. And, and it's interesting how I've experimented with that. I've put that to, to experiment on multiple, multiple occasions. And when I do that, how, how I feel how much more clarity I receive. And, and with that, the confidence that I have as I move forward, because I feel like then my questions, I have, I have prayed and asked to know what are the inspired questions I should even be asking. Yeah, and, and it takes some work and preparation. It does. Usually to, to ask the most inspired question yep. or to ask for those things that are expedient. Scott, I had a 70 once tell me that he would uh, write down notes in a notebook, a journal, before he would pray with his questions, and that his questions were carefully pondered and prepared long before he ever asked. Mm -hmm. And he found that to be the most effective way to receive revelation. Sometimes it will come to us in our prayers, and I've always loved the scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, which is on the gifts of the Spirit. And this section ends in verse 30, and it reads, He that asketh in the Spirit asketh according to the will of God, Wherefore, it is done, even as he asketh. And again, I say unto you, all things must be done in the name of Christ, whatsoever, whatsoever you do in the Spirit. And ye must give thanks unto God in the Spirit for whatsoever blessing ye are blessed with. And ye must practice, here it is again, Scott, virtue and holiness before me continually. Yes. So there's some, again, some keys of revelation in that passage, but one of them is that we should pray in the Spirit, that we should ask inspired, Spirit-prompted questions, not just curiosity questions, or not just, you know, flippantly without pondering or preparing questions that, what should I do? And I, sometimes that may be appropriate when we have no idea or no clue what we should do. But I just think it's really important that we that we pray in the Spirit. And when we do, we become like right, like Nephi, right? In uh, Helaman chapter 10, verses uh, 4 and 5, where uh, a voice comes to, to the Nephi. This is Nephi the third, who's been pondering. And as he was pondering in his heart, behold, a voice came unto him, saying, this is Helaman 10, Verses 4 and 5. Blessed art thou, Nephi, for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unwearingness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them. There it is again, Scott. No fear. And hast not sought thine own life, but has sought my will and to keep my commandments right? These are all keys to receiving revelation. And now because thou hast done this with such unwearingness, behold, I will bless thee forever, and I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, 
yea, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word. Get this. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. That's amazing. Yeah. That someone can pray and not ever ask anything that is contrary to the will of God. And when we when we get to that point, Scott, we become like like Nephi who describes in in the second Nephi that that he would not pray amiss. He would not ask for anything that was amiss, which is a, which is amazing to to be able to say that. So we need to really prepare, I guess maybe that's part of the key here number Number five is to make some preparation to learn uh, what are the right questions, what are the inspired questions that we need to ask. Instead of too many times, Scott, we just write, we just, every night we just routinely hit our knees or every morning and we sometimes just say the same things. If we really want revelation, it takes great preparation and and work, and even the help of the Spirit to know what we should ask in the Spirit to be able to receive revelation by the Spirit. That's number five. Number six, so important, eliminate distractions and distortions. Do not be over-programmed by technology. I just think too many, we've been warned about this, uh, wow, the AI thing that's coming online what is that gpt and all that Chat gpt and, i mean it used AI. to be it used to be google now it's ai and so many of us just turn almost automatically now to answers and direction from technology instead of uh, really pondering it trying to receive some spiritual guidance and direction and i i think it's just too easy for us to become just turn too quickly to our phones and other sources of uh, information that's out there, this age of information that we live in, and get too much information, uh, which can really take away from our dependence and trust in receiving answers to our prayers. I just opened... Uh, my Google Chrome here on my laptop, and um, it doesn't matter what you're typing in anymore. You will get a generative AI uh, response. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, and, and here's a problem. You know, we talk about, and we saw the children of Israel do this when uh, Moses came off of the uh, off of Mount Sinai with the law. They had taken things that were familiar to them, and they had created this uh, golden calf and they had created a false god uh, and and were praying to it. Well, I, I wonder, I, I don't think that we're that much different today. I think that today, you know, we have this thing that we're familiar with and that we've become to rely on. And it has beautiful, wonderful application in our lives. It has for the church, it has for our families and for so many other things. But I wonder if uh, sometimes if we aren't creating this false god, if we aren't looking to Google, if we aren't looking to ChatGPT, if we aren't looking to some of these things now uh, to give us answers to, to our questions, that we do need to be taken to our Heavenly Father. You know, how do I become a better dad? I can, I can Google that. 
and I can get some great answers. There's no question. Right. But if I don't rely on the Spirit to confirm the answers that I'm getting, how do I become a better husband? How do I become so any of those things? So many questions and problems. And we... and we can get those answered. You know, when I do t- this morning, I was on a, a television doing a, a, a spot on, a econ- on economics today, and I always go on first, and I do that. I, I sure. Google what I'm going to talk about, and I use a lot of what I get there. But that's vastly different than my spiritual life. If I'm looking for answers for my spiritual life, for the direction that I need, not just for this life, but for eternity, and some of us are. And how do I know that? Because we're seeing an exodus, even if it's a small one, of people who are doing that and finding things that are, in their minds, wrong with the church or wrong with what's happening here. Because of that, it's kind of moving us away. We're putting too much reliance on. And I love how you put, don't be become over-programmed by technology. I think we are, as a society, over-programmed by technology. And in a lot of cases, that's really taken the place of our spiritual connection with our Heavenly Father, David. Technology is itself a miracle, Scott. There's no doubt about that. It's such a miracle, and it's such a blessing. But if you become over-programmed for it, and since we're talking about marriage and relationships a little bit today... And you have a problem in your marriage, I'm telling you, the first thing to turn to is not Google. That's right. And look up for marriage advice. That is not the place to turn. The place to turn is to fall on your knees and to ponder and pray about how can I change? How can I improve? How can I... I mean, Scott, that's what we should not be looking for the easy answers or the easy way out using technology. I am so, I've been so blessed by technology in so many ways. Um, all of us, all of us have. But, wow, when we become overprogrammed, then w- the first thing we turn to to fix our problems, and some of them may even be spiritual problems, spiritual questions, uh, challenges in our life, we turn to Google instead of to God. Yeah. And that's not right. So there's that part of it. And then there's this other part of it where technology can become an addiction. True. And, and any addiction. True. Any addiction separates us from our Heavenly Father. Any addiction does. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when, for example, you know, Deb and I are teaching Institute still, and uh, we're still teaching uh, the divine gift of forgiveness, uh, that, that curriculum that you spent so much time developing and others and, and, uh, the, the curriculum from which the book, the divine gift of forgiveness itself was sort of derived, not sort of completely derived. But as we do this, you know, we, we've been kind of asked to put some emphasis on addiction recovery and how do we overcome and how do we heal from those things? And I, I was surprised and I probably shouldn't have been, but I was surprised it caught me off guard. How many, Young people, and I don't know, maybe older people too, will spend the entire night just get caught. I've got caught up in it, so I guess it's possible to understand. But but how they'll get caught up in gaming, or how they'll get caught up in Google searching, or how they'll get and it's and and it's entertaining and it's numbing and it helps them pull away from reality and it helps them escape and all of their problems and so on. How many of them, I had one guy tell me uh, in our class, a student in our class a couple of semesters ago, he told it to me one-on-one personally. I said, how how serious is this? And he says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, there will be nights when I'll sit down and start gaming and the next thing I know, I look out the window and the sun's coming up. Wow. 
and I have to go take my go to my classes Whoa. at the university now. Uh, and that's the same. That's the same sort of distraction or or numbing out or consumption of and consuming of ourselves that one would get from alcohol and drugs. It's just yeah. not a lot different. I mean, there are some differences in the way it, it can affect our body. I don't want anybody emailing me and saying, hey, uh, smoking and, and drinking and all that's obviously way... That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is our spiritual separation. Yeah. We're talking about how do we receive more revelation. Right. And we have to have that spiritual connection in order for that to take place. And when we don't, it won't. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. So yeah, you know we we because of the world we live in, you wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes the first thing we turn to, right? Yeah, the phone is our phone. <laughs> yeah, and we start looking news, and we start looking at all the problems of the world, and yep. we start thinking about all the, and we just more information, more information, more information. I, I I'm telling you, Scott, some of the sweetest experiences of my life have been wake up in the middle of the night and to ponder, to meditate, to pray, to ponder some more, and then pray again, and to maybe spend an hour with God in the middle of the night mm-hmm. instead of spending an hour playing a game or on Google in the middle of the night. Right. That's, that just can be totally life-changing. Yeah. That's just a total different right um approach to to how you see the world and yourself and your relationship with heavenly father yeah um one strengthens your relationship with the world and the other strengthens your relationship with um deity so i i just hope that um all of our families and listeners will not become so overprogrammed by technology, that's the first thing they turn to. I, We should use it. It can be an amazing blessing for all of us. I mean, I figured out how to fix... Can you believe this, Scott? I figured out how to fix my our dishwasher. My wife and I have this dishwasher <laughs> that sometimes it, the start button just blinks and you can't get it to work. So I just thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll YouTube it. I YouTubed it and... I got this answer, which said, just go downstairs on the circuit breaker and reset it. I reset it. I was about ready to replace a dishwasher, and that fixed it. Just flipping the switch? Just flipping the switch. <laughs> well, Google helped you that day. YouTube. Oh, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save me, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars it would cost to replace a, that dishwasher. I know the blessings. I do, too. Yeah, but when that becomes our first go-to, instead of with some of our real problems and some of the really quiet time that we could be spending with God, instead of having our eyes take in other things that are not inspired and sometimes not even appropriate, wow, what a difference it can make. Have you ever been around somebody who's on their phone? And you're trying to... Yeah, to, in, even in my own family, yeah, Scott, and, and, that and, you, you're trying to have a family event and everybody's looking at their phone. And, and, and you it wonder... Drives me, it drives me crazy. You wonder, I wonder, 
because I have that experience. Yeah, I wish I could just have a box and say, put your phone in here, then come in. But De- And I said that to Deb one time. I said, we're just going to get a box, and everybody's putting their phone in the box when they come in. And she says, well, you can do that, but nobody will come. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad. And, and, and it's true. Kind of sad. But I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, I feel that as a father, and you feel that as a father, and as a friend, and even as a spouse, and even whatever. You know, we're with people sometimes who seem more interested and more, and maybe I've been that guy too. I'm sure I have, you know, more interested and more involved in what's going on on their phone than what's taking place around them. I wonder if Heavenly Father sometimes feels that way. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he looks at that and says, guys, yeah, you, you, you really don't get it. Right. You know, that's not more important than what Absolutely. you could be doing. Now, and again, I, there's an appropriate time, and there, what we're talking about here is balance, which is funny because I heard Elder Bednar give a talk the other day to Enzyme College when he said, balance is bogus. <laughs> he said, don't worry about balance. That's bogus. We should focus on what we should focus on. Mm. And, and I think that um, I think that sometimes, you know, I, it's not just a distraction for us, but I wonder again, if heavenly father is just a tad bit disappointed thinking, gosh, yeah. Scott, or, or well, who? we live far beneath our, our privileges, yeah, Scott, we when do. we're not trying, uh, more intentionally, one of president Nelson's favorite words, uh, when we're not being more intentional in receiving revelation right. and instead we, we just are trying to get information. Right now, I know good information leads to good revelation, but too many times we're just getting information that doesn't even yeah. matter or make it any, any eternal significance yeah. in our life yeah. have any significance in our life. Yeah, round and round we go. You know, we're just chasing the tail of information, and a lot of times we're chasing that tail with no end game insight. And they and that can be such a distraction. Yeah. So eliminate distractions. And distortions, and there's all kinds of distortions and deception on the Internet. The final key of Revelation is to meditate and to listen, and then record impressions. Again, this same member of the 70 years ago who I was went to lunch with, he and his wife, said that he had been trained by Elder Bednar on how to receive Revelation. And again, I think... Revelation is a skill. It's not just something that we hope for or something that just kind of spontaneously, I, I know it can take place spontaneously, but revelation is a skill. And it's a skill that can be learned and it's a skill that must be developed. So he had learned the skill of writing down an inspired question with a notebook, praying about it, and then he had his pen in hand and his notebook in front of him as he prayed and would take moments after he prayed to write down his first impressions. And those first impressions were often, as the prophet Joseph Smith described, the first impressions that come to your mind are from, are from God. And he would write down these impressions. So I just think it's really critical. Elder Scott said that if you want revelation, when you read the scriptures, have a pencil in your hand yeah, so that you can mark down passages. And as you mark down passages, the Holy Ghost can, because you're committed to listen and to mark and to search and not just read, 
but you're really searching and treasuring the word that having a red pencil in hand can be an instrument of revelation about how 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 you read the scriptures if you journal how you read the scriptures if you journal the impressions that you have in doing come follow me writing down impressions scott uh, recording those can be another source another key uh, to receiving revelation. And I just don't think that we meditate and listen enough. You know, in the middle of the night, again, if you have time to just sit and meditate. Last night I sat in the, woke up, and I, I thought, you know, I could go back to my bed and look at my phone, or I'm just going to sit in a chair here and meditate. I love those. I love those moments. I love those sweet experiences in my life when I can just sit and meditate and try to try to listen and and pray whether I'm sitting or standing or walking or whatever just to meditate and listen so I I know that as we seek revelation in our life Scott that Heavenly Father is anxious anxious according to President Nelson to give us a revelation and that we need to be uh, more intentional about it. In fact, it's really been, I think, one of the great callings of President Nelson, one of his great um, purposes, or or uh, he feels a mission, a call to help the church and to help us individually to receive more personal revelation. Uh, one of the first talks that he gave was on, I think it was the first talk that he gave to the whole church, after being called as a prophet in 2018, was revelation in the church and revelation, personal revelation. Right. And he talked about how to increase our spiritual capacity and our intentions on receiving revelation. Uh, his talk on that's uh, entitled Hear Him, which was given um, April 2020 at the 200th anniversary of the first vision, has always been one of my favorites on um, how to receive personal revelation and hear the voice of the Lord. And he uses the prophet Joseph Smith's first vision and tells us that that should be an example to us on how to receive revelation. And on that note, by the way, the prophet Joseph Smith, in asking inspired question, which is one of our seven key points, he didn't go ask, Elder Bednar, I think, just powerfully makes this point, he didn't go say, what church should I join? That wasn't his prayer. His prayer was, I've decided to join, and he's told to join none of them. You know, he doesn't go ask which church is true. He asks, which church should I join? Well, that's that's a statement of commitment that's a question of commitment mm-hmm. you know instead of just what church you know what church is true that wasn't the inspired question the inspired question was which church should i join as a as a statement that he was willing to act that's an action is faith and when we're when we ask questions that that uh, show our faith then we're more likely to to get an answer. 
So I I hope that our our listeners will will listen, continue to listen for the Holy Ghost in their life, which I know comes, and I know that you can recognize it by uh, the prescriptions given to us in the Scriptures, particularly Doctrine and Covenants section eleven, which I know that we've quoted before in this course, Scott. But section eleven, I love this description of how to recognize the Holy Ghost in our life. And uh, it's section 11, verses 12 through 14. Now verily I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit, which leadeth to do good. So number one, the spirit will always lead us to do good and to do something. Almost always the Holy Ghost will tell us what to do, and it will be good. To do justly. It will lead us to be just, to fair, to be humble, and to walk humbly, to judge righteously. This is my spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my spirit, which shall enlighten your mind, that's number five, and which shall fill your soul with joy. That's number six, and we could say, and fill your soul with peace. Then shall ye know, or by this shall you know, all things whatsoever you desire of me, which are pertaining unto things of righteousness, in faith, believing in me that you shall receive. And maybe the last key then, which would be number eight, would be to ask in faith, believing that ye shall receive. Well, thank you, Scott, for time this morning in talking about one of my favorite uh, topics and points of doctrine in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is how to receive answers to our prayer and receive revelation from our loving Heavenly Father who wants to communicate more with us. On this uh, last key to meditate and listen and then record uh, impressions, I I think this meditation... Also, there, there's a component to that. You know, I, I believe prayer and meditation usually go really well hand in hand, right? Uh, because, you know, when we, when we communicate, we open up, when we're praying, we're communicating to Heavenly Father. When we meditate, we're opening up ourselves to receive those answers. We quiet our mind, we open our spirit, we open our soul. And, and as, you know, the 11th step in Alcoholics Anonymous reads, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve, to improve our conscious contact with God. And, you know, I I love that because I, I don't know any of us that really has a desire to be close to him that's not in a constant desire also to improve that conscious contact, not just contact, but that conscious contact, to be aware of the contact that we have with him. Uh, and, and Scripture proves this out, the revelations that we receive from our prophets and, uh, and brethren, uh, and uh, right here in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I think all of these things work together to help us understand how do we improve that conscious contact, and by so doing, also our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Yeah, well, thank you, Scott. And I love how President Nelson is trying so hard to teach us Yeah, how to, as this is a quote, and uh, actually an Enzyme article from um, tw- in uh, January 2021, how to grow 
into Revelation. Mm. Uh, it's a process. We shouldn't expect this this skill of how to receive Revelation to come in an instant or a moment. But how how can we? I, I invite all of our listeners. What steps can I begin to take to learn this skill and to grow into Revelation? And as Doctrine comes to section fifty, this is your Grandpa Durfee's, my dad's, one of his favorite scriptures. Grow brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Uh, well, that perfect day is probably not going to be in this life. None of us are going to be perfect at this. But uh, we need to learn and begin to make a plan and journal. How can we grow into the principle of revelation? As our listeners uh, accept that invitation, all of us, myself included, as we begin to journal and ponder and pray on how can we grow into the principle of revelation, how can I receive more revelation, how can I stop living beneath my privileges, as Brigham Young puts it, and start to receive more communication, direction from God through the Holy Ghost, it can be a a life-changing moment and experience in our life, Scott. And maybe some of the most important things that we can be doing. You know, this isn't easy. This does require work, um, effort. Let's put it that way. This does require effort. Um, it, it may not seem easy, but it's better than and easier than living a life without revelation, without that contact, without being aware of that contact and communication and actually communion, you know, with our heavenly father. And when I think, when I use the word communion, I think of a more sacred relationship. I think of a covenantal relationship relationship that we all, uh, that we're talking about here and is kind of the pinnacle of, of our efforts. Uh, great to, to be with you again, David. You I know, too. To Love the, you, our families and others, and so thankful that uh, we believe in continuous revelation and that the restoration is, has uh, helped us to show us patterns and give us additional scripture to know how we might be able to receive personal revelation in our lives. I'm grateful that I've been able to experience this in my own life. I'm committed to be being worthy of and working towards and developing the skills so that I can experience it more. I hope that we all can have that exact same resolve as we move through this week and uh, through our lives. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We look forward to being with you again next week. And until then, remember you have been redeemed through His blood. We'll see you next week. <laughs>